something else. We've been talking this whole year about what it means to love God and love others. What that looks like, how it plays itself out. And, you know, there are all kinds of scripture verses that we've read and talked about. As I think about it, I know that I could translate them, I could study them, I could get insight from them. But I find there's one thing I deal with in trying to understand how to love others and love God. And that's usually myself. There are three gods I discovered in my life that I fight with, me, myself, and I. Maybe you don't have those, but I do. Okay? And I thought, God, how do I, how do I put this all together? How do I walk this out in my life in such a way that I truly know how to see the world as you see it, how to care for people as you care for them, how to love them as you love them? And as I was praying about that, I thought about the season we're coming into, right? Christmas. What, 30-some shopping days left, guys. Just thought you ought to know that. And in this season, it's, it's a season where we give, right? And there are lots of good causes to give to. Lots of good things to give to. And sometimes you wonder who deserves it and who doesn't, right? In fact, there are people we look at, and you've passed them on the, on the road and seen them standing with a cardboard sign and, you know, wanting help. And it, it makes you wonder who deserves our hard-earned money and who doesn't. You ever deal with that? Yeah, we was talking after a Bible study here a couple of weeks ago, and some of the brothers and I were standing there talking. And that question comes up. I think we generally want to give. I think we generally want to care. But the question comes, you know, who really deserves it and who doesn't deserve it? We work hard for our money. And we know a lot of places that could use some help, right? And so we ask that question, who deserves it and who doesn't? Well, I do what I always do. I kind of went to the Lord with that. I just said, Lord, if, if I was to put you in this picture, if I was to place you here, what would you say to me about, as I deal with loving people, loving God, Loving others, what would you say as I think about how I fear who deserves to get my hard-earned money? Let me just share with you what, what I think he said. Gently, gently he spoke. He said, did I deserve to be rejected? I said, no. Does I, did I deserve to be beaten? And I said, no. Did I deserve to be stripped and nailed to the cross? And I said, no. Did I deserve to be killed? And I said, no. He said, child, did you deserve my gift? Don't you hate it when you ask questions like that? And I said, no. Did you earn my grace, my love, my forgiveness, my life, my death? my spirit and I said no he said child it's not about being deserving it's about truly loving others like you love me it's about what others it's not about what others have earned it's about what you have freely received and freely give it's about my grace reaching out through your heart my child to these wounded hurting struggling 
and lost children of my father. There's a scripture that I, I pray every week, a scripture that I read every week. And it's really what I tried to do in this situation. I thought about what God would say to us. It's really verse 8 of Psalm 16. We're going to read five verses, Psalm 16, verses 7 to 11. But it's the beginning of verse 8 that we're going to look at this morning. I will praise the Lord who counsels me even at night. My heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad. My tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure. Because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal presence, pleasures at your right hand. And it's verse 8 that I, I, I pray every, every week. Lord, I will set you always before me. And the Lord answered my prayer when I finally put him in the picture. You know, sometimes we don't want to put the Lord in the picture. We want to put him in the corner of the picture. We don't put the Lord in the center of everything. And yet David says, I will set the Lord always before me. And I wondered, what would it be like, Lord, as we deal with the questions of life, everything from terrorists to murder to the hard things? What would it be like, Lord, if I always set you in the middle of the picture? Not on the side, but in the middle of the picture. I think I'd like to share with you four things he spoke to me about this morning. If I set the Lord in the middle of the picture, I find that, first of all, my pride and ego would fade away. I would lose my trust in myself. Oswald Chambers said this, Some of us are so dominated by the body that our spirit lives only in the physical domain instead of the physical being slowly drawn into the spiritual. You see, I find it's so easy for me to get wrapped up in myself. That's why the gods I deal with are me, myself, and I. Things I want to have happen, things I think things I hope, things I deserve, those kind of things. But if I follow Jesus, if I put Jesus in the middle of my my life, if I put Jesus in the middle of the situation, it changes how I see things. It changes how I see people. It changes how I see myself. It changes how I see my world. Because all of a sudden, I have to let go of my pride and ego. I have to set myself aside. And that's hard to do, right? We live in a culture that's very you know, self-focused, wrapped up in us. you got all these commercials that throw you, all these things that you deserve and want and have to have and everything else. But if I put Jesus in the center of my life, if I put him in the center of every picture I look through, it changes how I see the world. First of all, my pride's got to go, right? Do you ever sometimes sit down and look through all the verses in Scripture speak about pride? Let me throw out a few. Proverbs 13.10. Pride only brings quarrels, but wisdom is found in those who take advice. Think about that. Next time you're quarreling, next time you're arguing, think about how much your pride's invested in that. Proverbs 16. Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before the fall. Better to be lowly in spirit and among the oppressed than share plunder with the proud. Proverbs 21. Haughty eyes and a proud heart, the lamp of the wicked, are sin. Proverbs, again, 21, verse 24. The proud and arrogant man mockers his name, behaves with conceited pride. You see, what happens if I put the Lord in the center of my, of my, 
my, my picture, I'm putting the eternal, forever, glorious, all-powerful, ever-present God, the creator of all things, in the center of the picture. And I wonder if we really see God for who he is, if we really see God for what he is. There's really only one place in Scripture that we get this description of God as he was being seen in all of his glory. And that's in the book of Revelation, chapter 4. John says, I was in the spirit, and there before the throne in heaven was someone sitting on it. Catch this. And the one who sat on it had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian. Jasper is, I guess, a red and yellow kind of stone. and Carnelian's a brownish red. And there was a rainbow resembling an emerald. Imagine an, an emerald the size enough that you could set a, a throne in the middle of it. This beautiful, bright green emerald. Encircling the throne. And surrounding the throne were 24 elders. And on them were 24 thrones. They were dressed in white and had gold, crowns of gold in their, on their heads. Then throne... From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. And before the throne there were seven lamps that were, that were blazing. And these are the seven spirits of God. Before the throne there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal in the center. Around the throne were the four living creatures. And they, covered, they were covered with eyes in front and back. The first was like a lion, the second like an ox, the third like, had a face like a man, the fourth like a flying eagle. And they, were, they had six wings. And they had eyes even under the wings. And day and night they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And everywhere the living creatures gave glory. And whenever that happened, then those who circled the throne, the 24 elders would fall down with him who sits on the throne and honor him and worship him forever and ever. And they throw their crowns before him and say, You are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were all, all things have their being. Hear that? That's the God we say we believe in. That's the God that John saw. I, don't, I can't even hardly draw the picture in my mind. This, this, this throne and, 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 and a rainbow that circles the entire thing, and it's red and yellow and, and green, and, and there's, there's these, these thrones sitting around it, and they're worshiping the Lord. And there's these... Six awesome creatures that, that are four awesome creatures that have six wings. And they're flying, they're shouting, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And every time they'd say that, the elders would throw everything that's important to them at his feet. They would fall down, and they worship him, who sat upon the throne. What if we put that God in the center of our lives? What if we put that God in the center of everything we're going through? What if we put that God right in the center of everything we're looking at? Would it change how I live? Would it change how I see people? Would it change how I think? It certainly would do away with my pride and my ego, wouldn't it? I would all of a sudden realize, in the presence of the awesome God, I really am a dust person. I think when we do that, we would be free of fear and anxiety and worry. That's the second point. It's not about me anymore. It's about God. I don't have to worry about anything, right? I don't have to be fearful of anything. I don't have to be anxious about anything. Peter says this, All of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that may lift you up in his proper time, casting all of your anxiety on him because he cares for you. 
You see, if we put this God we say you believe in the middle of the picture, we know that we can cast every care, every anxious thought, every fear upon him because we know he cares for us. Psalm says, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let you fall. Nahum says, "Lord, the Lord is good. He is a refuge in times of trouble. He cares for those who trust in him. We begin to realize God does care for us. God does care about you. God is involved in your life. God is watching over you. God is there. You don't have to get uptight, upset, worried, fearful, or anything. Because God's there. I think if we did that and looked right into his eyes, we realized this God really, truly does love us. He knows everything about you. He knows everything about me. He knows every thought, every action, every sin, every rebellion. And he will look deep into your eyes and say, Child, I know it all, and I still love you. I still care about you. And I want you to know, child, that you can have my peace in the midst of your life. You can have my strength in the midst of your struggles. That you can have my life in the midst of your death. I want you to know, child, there's nothing to be afraid of because I am. Mm. And if we set the Lord always before us, you know what? We really would begin to really love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. When you realize all he is and all he has and all he has for you. And the, and the words of our love would not just be words of our mouth. They'd not just be words of a song. There'd be this overwhelming love in our hearts to cast everything we have in our lives that's most precious, the crowns that the elders in heaven throw at his feet and say, God, I don't deserve any of this. I just thank you for allowing me to be a part of it. I give you everything in me. And I want to serve you, O Lord, with all that I am and all that I have. No more excuses. Just you and me enjoying the life you've given me. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. And these commandments I give you, they shall be upon your hearts today. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you walk at home, when you walk on the road, when you lie down, when you rise out. Rise up. Put them as symbols on your foreheads and on your hands. Live these out. You would want to live him out because you've seen God. You put him in the presence of your life. He's there in the center of everything you go through. I want everybody to know that I'm serving the Lord. Children, let me tell you about this God who loves you and cares about you. Let me tell you about this God who will never let you go. Let me tell you about this God that carries you close to his heart and knows every pain and every heartache and every broken, brokenness in your life and wants to bring health and healing to you. Let me tell you about this God that can take every broken piece of your life and put it back together in a more beautiful picture than you ever believed before. I want you to know him. And I'm willing to do anything and everything I can to help you know him. Because I set the Lord always before me. It changes us. It can't but help change us. 
Christianity is about a transformed life that has experienced the presence of the living God and knows the power of the forgiveness and the washing away of our sins and the filling of His Holy Spirit in our lives and always call us to be Him in the world. How can we but not love Him with all that we have? Fourthly and finally, if we set the Lord always before us, what we treasure would change. You know, we treasure some interesting things, don't we? There's a story of a very wealthy man had all kinds of gold bullion, bricks of gold. And he prayed to the Lord, prayed to the Lord, said, Lord, I just, just let me bring one of these bricks of gold bullion with me to heaven when I die. I believe in you. I'll give it all the rest of the way. I just want to bring one with me to heaven. And finally, the Lord said, okay, you can bring one with you. Well, when the guy died, he went up, you know, St. Peter at the gate, the whole proverbial thing. And he walks up and he's got this, you know, gold bullion in his hand. And Peter said, well, what are you doing? He says, well, I'm, I'm coming in heaven. I, I died. He said, well, I know that, but what are you doing with that? He said, the Lord said I could bring this gold bullion with me. The Lord said, why would he give you pavement to come into heaven? You get it? The streets of heaven are paved with gold. Gold has no value in heaven. It's something you walk on. When you die and go before the Lord, it won't matter the kind of car you drove. You're not going to drive your car into heaven, let me tell you that. True story. A man that was very wealthy, wanted to be buried with his Mercedes. And I guess when you got a lot of money, you can buy the plot and everything. And so the guy dies. He's being buried in this Mercedes. It's all gold-plated. He's got like a $40 cigar stuck in his mouth. Okay? Sitting behind the steering wheel, it's all leather. Got this fancy hat, fancy coat. And as the crane operator is lowering the car into the grave, he's heard to say, man, that's really living. Think about it. You don't take it with you. So what I treasure would be the things God treasures, right? What I treasure would be the things that my, my Lord treasures. I should ask questions. Lord, what do you treasure? What is the greatest treasure of my father? It's what he sent his son to die for. People. The greatest treasure in heaven is people. Nothing else. Jesus died on that cross for people. Jesus gave his life for people. And so if I can let go of my pride, if I can stop worrying and being fearful, if I can really place God in the center and see the power of his glory and love him with all that I am, I pick up what God treasures, and that's others. Paul said it this way, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit. In humility, consider others better than yourself. Do not look out only for your own interests, but also for the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. 
He made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, being found in the appearance as a man, and he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Hear that? Do nothing out of selfish ambition. See, when I put Jesus in the center of my, of my picture, when I put him in the center of every question, in the center of every discussion, I ask myself, what's in it for him? I do nothing out of selfish ambition. Now, I know that goes contrary to our culture. The culture is all about being ambitious for yourself and making more money for yourself and having more stuff for yourself and all that kind of thing. But the kingdom changes that around. It says, no, it's not because the treasure of our father is people. He gave his son for people. He gave his greatest treasure for people. And we turn that around. So I'm going to work at doing nothing out of selfish ambition. I'm going to do with my pride. And the opposite of pride is what? Humility. So in humility, I consider others. Others, as Paul says. I consider others. And I adopt Jesus' attitude. God himself, the God who sits on the throne that we talked about earlier, that God who has anything and everything, that God decided to come into our world. He gave it all up. Everything. The glory of heaven, the beauty of heaven, a place with no pain, sorrow, suffering. He gave it all up. And became a person dependent on his mother's womb and his mother's milk. Dependent on people to take care of him and change his diaper. Imagine changing God's diaper. And he grew up and walked in a, in a, in a world that was terrible. You couldn't hardly walk from one town to another without being fearful of being not mugged but killed. The story of the Good Samaritan happened often. That's why people understood it. There was all kinds of wars going on, all kinds of terrorist activities, all kinds of murder. And God stepped into that world because he loves and he cares. And he, he said, I'm becoming nothing. I'm becoming nothing for you. I'm becoming nothing because I love you. I'm becoming nothing because I want you to have a relationship with my father. I'm giving it all away so that you can have everything that's my father's. And Paul says, your attitude should be the same as that as Christ Jesus. I don't know about you, but when I read those kind of things, I put Jesus in the middle of the whole picture of life, I get convicted. A good way. God doesn't always walk around and feel guilty. He wants to walk around and say, have you seen this child of mine? She's trying so hard to follow my son. She struggles. But you ought to see the things she's given up for my son. You ought to see the way she's changed her life. You ought to see the people she's pointing to my son. I am so proud of her. I want to stand before the Lord one day, look my Savior in the eye, And hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. You know all my trials and all my struggles. You have known all my pain and all my heartaches, all my failures. But to hear him say that, that's joy indeed.
That's what I want to have happen in my life. That's what I want to have happen in your life. Let me finish with one verse of scripture from 1 John. 1 John 3, 16 to 18. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. So we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. Amen? Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for its truth. And Father, thank you that you graciously walk with us in this world and encourage us, Lord, yes, even convict us to live the life you've offered us, to not settle for something less. I pray for all of us here, Lord, you'll help us to put you in the center, that we will set the Lord always before our eyes. And Father, live every day that way. Thank you, Father. Use this all for your glory and yours alone. In Jesus' name, amen.